Hello, friends. Hi. Hi. Well, <laughs> we're here again across the pond this time. International edition. Which is exciting. Our first international guest. Liz. Should we should we introduce him? Yeah, yeah? maybe. Wait. You're, you're on okay. introduction okay. duty today. Am I? Okay. I will take reins. Um, so big shout out, warm welcome to England's own Richard Smedley joining us from Northern England today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and as always, Kyle and Liz, you guys know us. You know us. You love us. We're here. Well, who are you? I'll think of music. I honestly, I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest. Honestly, I'll say it honestly a third time. Uh, no idea, no idea, but maybe we'll all wind up with a little bit more self awareness by the end of it. Would love that. <sighs> I don't know. I'm so, not nearly as drunk as I usually am. So, uh, yeah, dr- nearly as drunk or drunk enough. I don't know. A little bit of both. I'm taking to doing some really rich lady things, though, in my quarantine state. So, for instance, like, I'm recording this on my bed while wearing one of my fake fur coats just because I, like, wanted to be wearing something really warm okay. and luxurious. I and like I realized that if anyone opened my door and saw me sitting here, like, clutching my really fluffy pillows wearing a fur coat, I would look a little bit ridiculous. But I'm here for it. It's, it's working for me. So it's okay. I think in this time of quarantine, um, anything goes. That's that's what I'm. That's where I'm kind of landing. Um, You know, not showering until eleven a.m. or just not showering, or not showering. Like whatever happens, happens. So (laughs) I think actually it's a perfectly fitting visual image um, for you to be lying luxuriously in a fur coat while recording this spot. <laughs> Richard, do you have any do you have any coping mechanisms that you've landed on thus far? To be honest, I'm not entirely sure what day it is. I'm never sure what time it is. <laughs> um so no, no coping mechanisms. I'm just going off pure adrenaline at the minute. <laughs> Still. That's so impressive. Right. Well- that sounds like a perfect note to get started on then. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Richard, who are you? Who am I? Yeah. Um, well, thanks thanks for the intro. As Liz said, I'm Richard Smedley. Um, I work as a product specialist uh, for single reed woodwind instruments, uh, which I play, but I also play a range of, of other instruments as well, multi-instrumentalist that kind of, Circled around many different genres and ended up with the the single rate stuff as, as much as anything. But I've had quite a varied take on, on music across the years, I guess, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into. And had a, a career in retail alongside that for a for a number of years. And like I say, have ended up in, in working in the music industry, which is maybe not the it's not the the exact dream that you have when you're young but you said i certainly dreamed of, of working in music so it's a nice place to have landed without really realizing where i was gonna end up yeah and you know now you're 
you've you've even gone a step further and been furloughed by the music industry. <laughs> I know, which well, I think was, is you know. <laughs> I, I, always, I think that I means knew. you really would that. Yeah, yeah. I always knew that the music industry would kick me somehow. So I think this is <laughs> definitely, it. definitely, it was all going far too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're a musician still working, I don't know where or how, but it's probably fake. So you should really. <laughs> You should check into that somehow. Yeah. No. What a wild, well, in, wild in good time. faith. If anyone is working, I'm really happy for them, and I, I wish you well, genuinely, <laughs> whoever you are out right. there in the world. You'll you'll notice so, there was a moment in time where the frequency of podcasts uh, increased, <laughs> and that was the precise moment we were all let go from our jobs. It's okay, but so. But that's an interesting thing, though, because that is, it just kind of shows with musicians. I and mean, it's not like podcasts, but other ways that people have tried to suddenly share their media as well. And it's because people are so desperate to create and to, to share it. Um, that this period, as difficult as it is, it'll definitely be a, a shift in the way people have approached their creativity, which can't be a bad thing. I'm curious about the quality of the output. I think it's going to be a really wide range. So that's something that I'm very, very curious about and very excited to see. If I had to guess, there's going to be a whole bunch of really shitty stuff that's going to make its way to the surface because it's part of like someone's healing process or part of just like the, the start of like getting your gears moving and getting you back into that groove. But I also have a feeling that there's going to be some really provocative, wonderful stuff that's going to come out of this too. So no idea who is going to deliver on what, but I guess time will tell, right? Yeah. And I think just on <sighs> like sheer volume, right? You know, if you, if you shoot more darts, you're probably more likely to hit near the center. Right? Kyle, I think you say that never having watched me play darts, but <laughs> theoretically, yeah. Okay, theoretically, right, right. But I don't if know. everyone was playing darts, someone <laughs> would hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as I don't have to be the dart thrower. Right on, right on. Well, so I Richard, do, so, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I mean, I, yeah, I do like the idea that with, with all of this somewhere in the world, you know, some, some kid who's never had the time to just go and sit and create finally gets that chance. It's a nice thought that something like that can come out of it. Hmm. Of all, like of all ages and kind of yeah, anywhere too, which is deeply fun. So, so while you are sitting here navigating through all of this, Richard, um, can you give us a little bit of a background on why you maybe got into the music scene? And you can take that as far back as you'd like in age or in your your life trajectory, and uh, and maybe paint us a paint us a picture of like who you are as a musician right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it it does sound like a bit of a cliche, but it's always been a big part of my life. And and it's I struggle to remember a time when when it wasn't as well. I started playing piano. I think I was maybe about seven when I started getting these piano lessons and I maybe played a little bit before that at home because my dad plays piano. Um, and so I guess from, from that age, it, it's always been a, a big part of who I am and it's been something that has always identified me, like certainly through school, I was you know the music guy. Um, but it probably wasn't until 
I got the opportunity a couple of years later after starting piano lessons to take up a second instrument and wanted to play clarinet, but they didn't have any space or any clarinets left at the school. So the music teacher said, well, do you want to play flute? And me and one of my friends who was looking to take up an instrument said, okay, we'll, we'll play the flute together, help each other out here. And it became probably my, my strongest instrument, certainly through, through school. And then maybe another year or two years after that, I finally did get the opportunity to, to play clarinet. And I think that was the moment for me personally. Parents and teachers probably already had an idea and certainly supported it. But I think that was the moment for me where I thought, oh, okay, this is something I'm, I'm not bad at this. I'm picking this up pretty quickly and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and this is something that I should maybe pursue a little more. So I would have only been like 12 or 13. For me, when I was like, okay, music needs to be a massive part of my, my life. And the trajectory that it took, obviously, is, is very different to the one that you maybe expect. But I think at that age, you don't, you don't really know where you want it to end up. You just kind of know that you want it to, to end up where music is the biggest part of your life. And then sort of through my teenage years, because I was playing obviously predominantly classical stuff on, on those three instruments and enjoying it, but then you get into the more sort of rebellious teenage years. And at that point, I took up pretty much at the same time uh, guitar and drums, which fit hand in hand with that slightly rebellious phase, I guess. Uh, and soon after that, saxophone as well, which I kind of approached from more of a, jazz angle so I was approaching instruments from, from various different genres again without really realizing that that's that's what I was doing that I was giving myself this really wide palette of, of music to pick from and it wasn't until I was probably well into my 20s that I was really grateful for the fact that I'd been able to do that can you remember what you were doing since you know if you can identify as young as you were, that you were really excited by music. What was it that was lighting your fire up so much? Um, I think it was probably, it was even from that early age, it was a performance side. And there was, there was one performance in particular that I did on piano. And I think I must have been maybe 11, 10 or 11. And I had to go down to the senior school down the road, five minutes down the road and play there because I progressed fairly quickly on, on piano and they wanted me to go and they had a lunchtime concert every so often at this senior school so it was you know people who were 18 17 16 perform and really high level performances and they got me to come down and play and I got like a, an amazing feeling of being in this room as a as a young kid and performing obviously not at the same level as these other people were but to to have been put on the same stage as them, I thought, oh, I really enjoy this side of it. So the performance side was always probably the biggest draw for me, even from a young age. Because I was, I was quite a, a shy kid, so it was this opportunity to to open up a little bit more, and and I felt very comfortable and confident in doing that, playing music. Uh, so it was probably a, that side of it more than anything. Is that a feeling that you feel like you recognize in 
the way that you perform now? Like, is that related to how you do your music? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I got I got some really good advice a couple of years ago, actually, and I think maybe at times I've been following this, and at times haven't. It was a a guy who I was in a band with talking about songwriting, and it was advice that he'd got from a from a really top producer that said write songs for the situations that you want them to be played in. So when he had been in a band a few years before that, he'd been writing songs to play in small rooms to a lot of his mates, essentially. And the song sounded like that. Um, and it was, just a, it was just a great bit of advice, I thought, that you should, whatever it is that you're approaching, whether it's songwriting, whether it's performance, whether it's production, whatever it is, approach it from how you want it to be put across. Almost put yourself in the audience in a way. Uh, and I, like I say, I think at times I've I've done that, and other times I haven't. But when I've done it, I, I certainly feel like I've performed better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. And I think as a musician, you know, your job falls somewhere in the middle of what you actually believe in, art you want to create, and what your fans and audience want to listen to. Right? Like if you go out on stage and you play something that's solely self-serving, right? That is something that you, you know, dreamed up and you are really passionate about, but nobody likes it. It's like, does it, you know, if a tree falls in a forest, does anybody hear it? Like I, it's, it's an interesting like idea, but you also can't, go to the complete other side where you're only creating for an audience, but you don't actually believe in the art you're creating. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that's like the constant sort of balance that you have as a musician, especially a performing musician. Um, and, and I guess even probably more as a, as a songwriter. Yeah. I think as well, you see it with when you get that balance between, for example, a band or an artist that tours and then, does that for a long period of time and then spends a long period of time writing and recording the the balance between the two where you're locked away and you don't get that direct feedback from an audience um but then the flip side of that where you almost are only tailoring everything towards that audience and like you say you're not serving maybe an artistic view that you have inside um, it's, it's definitely a balance. It's a difficult thing to, to balance, especially if someone likes something that you've done. It's difficult to, to step back away from that and, and reset for the next project or the next performance uh, and to approach that one in the way that you need to approach it. But, but for me, that was one of the things that I found, I wouldn't say easy, but it was something that I found quite comfortable and, and I, I put it down to like I said, playing a variety of instruments in a variety of genres from from a young age. And I, actually, one of the, the best things that I ever did uh, in the UK, the, one of the examining bodies uh, for, uh, for music is the ABRSM. And there's, there's eight grades starting from one. But to go from grade five upwards, you have to have done a, a musical theory grade as well. So I progressed quite quickly on piano start with but couldn't go couldn't do the grade five because i needed to do music theory so it took a few months to to learn it and to take the exam and in that time uh, my piano teacher got me to do a jazz grade 
instead. And it was a relatively low level one, but it just, it opened up a totally new aspect of it as well. So it was the same format. You played pieces, you played scales, you did sight reading, but it was blue scales and it was, you know, just different you know, chord progressions and a different way of even reading music, let alone playing it. So uh, from, from a very young age, I've definitely had that, like I say, that wider view of things, which hasn't necessarily been a total benefit, I think yeah, blessing and a curse, right? When, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. It, there's, there's times when I feel like if I just focus in on one thing, I'd obviously be more proficient and technically better on that. But I'm, I'm very thankful for having that that wide range. So what does that look like now as far as you having so many different instruments that you could choose from, so many different headspaces and, and genres that you could choose to play or write in? How do you pick where your brain is going to go i it depends i try not to to direct it too much um i'll I'll sort of let things happen as as they need to because when i was learning instruments certainly like i say when i was at school i the year was set up in a way where certain instruments would take the time over others because there isn't time in the day to do you know, a couple of hours practice on on all of them. But I would have an exam coming up on clarinet and I'd have a performance coming up on piano. So, you know, you'd, you'd shift it all around. And then after that, I kind of just let it, it, it comes in waves. So there's times when, I mean, I write on, on, on keyboard more than guitar, for example. So if I'm in that mode, I'm on keyboard. But if I'm in a, a uh, just to want to sit down and enjoy playing and, forget about everything i'll probably pick up the guitar over that or the saxophone over that so it depends on what i want to achieve with it but i don't necessarily approach it from right this is what i'm going to do today i'll just let it happen that sounds that sounds like a very libra vibe (laughs) 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 i don't know if we leave this comment in but this group of friends, Kyle and Richard and myself being among them, we've done a very deep dive into astrology lately because what else is there to do with our time? <laughs> and so Richard being a Libra, that's a very Libra move. Yeah, and you know, uh, Richard, we, we share a sign, at least a sun sign. Oh. So are you in October, baby, I'm assuming? Uh, I'm in October yeah. 11th. Yeah, 18th. Oh, good God, you guys. Sorry, you've okay, been, we'll, you've we'll, been ganged we'll do, up on. We'll do the, I know. We'll do the astrology <laughs> podcast next time. And, I think the astrology we'll truly... podcast needs to be like a group of people, and Krista needs to lead it. <laughs> 100%. Oh, God, save us. Would subscribe. Amazing. Would amazing. subscribe. Fair enough. So, Richard, you mentioned at the very beginning that you are a product specialist. Um, in the music industry. And I'm curious, yeah. two things, like how, with such a strong performing background, how did you, like what prompted the move into the music industry? And secondly, what does that role that you currently occupy mean? What do you do in that role? Yeah, the, the move itself was, it was a part of the industry I was, I was aware of for a long time before I moved into moved into it but I, I, I think as a 
it's something that sort of grows on you and you start to understand it more rather than as a young musician you think that you know that's a part of the business that I want to go into oh, it wasn't for me I think now there are, there are you know courses are better and information's better so there are people who, who look at that but for me it was never necessarily a route that I thought I would end up going down but when I left school and had the option to go to, to music college I kind of made the decision to be honest at sort of 16 17 that I didn't want to go into to further education or at least I wanted to have a break um, before I did that and started working in I started working as a as a player um, and in recording studio settings and that side of it for me really grabbed me so the, the creative side and you know for the start you're just plugging wires in and making cups of coffee for people but you're learning so <laughs> much on the job I make a great cup of coffee because of that and I can plug a wire in really well but um, <laughs> important tools yeah so yeah totally yeah but you're learning so much and it's, you're just immersed in this in this world of creativity that everything you've done before suddenly has a space that it's that it's in that it's not just about learning and then this one performance it's this creative space that you're just in and there's no there's no bad ideas uh there's no wrong or right there which was for me at that point someone who was you know on the fence about further education but it wasn't totally off the table but then to get into that setting and to, to see it was something that definitely inspired me a lot and so i just pushed on with with playing and and doing studio work um and and learning about production and engineering and everything like that but that's a difficult a difficult career path in terms of paying bills so i ended up working part-time in retail to start with and then ended up managing a shop in retail and then was able to kind of engineer and move to london through that job through retail management which was at the time my idea of suddenly i can open up to a new part of, of the music industry and it's london it's you know it's one of those cities that as a musician you want to be in but working a full-time job and doing it was was very difficult but a great experience at, at the same time and it was when i moved back from london that there was a a sales job at Sedario, uh, which I applied for at the 11th, 11th hour, kind of snuck in, got an interview, managed to get it, and uh, the rest is history, really. Uh, I did sales in the UK for three and a half years, uh, and the, the last part of that was specializing in sales marketing within Woodwinds, and then into the product specialist role, which has been an amazing shift, and I think all of that different experience that I've had as a single replayer, obviously, but just as a musician in general and having worked with a lot of different musicians gave me a really good starting point in terms of, you know, thinking about developing products and being able to think from a musician standpoint, kind of first and foremost, um, which is really important to think when you're developing products. Yeah, definitely. Not just the player of that product as well, but how it kind of fits in, in general. And it's good coming at some of this stuff, thinking of it from a guitar player's point of view or from a drummer's point of view. Um, 
even though it's a very specific product, it's it's just it's a good angle to come at it from sometimes. Yeah, I think I mean it. You know, kind of goes back to that conversation about your audience and understanding their needs and their pain points, and then being able to address those through product. You know, a lot of you know you can do that in in tons of different ways. If you're a musician and a performer, you you know you address those things through through you know, lyrics and, and melody and harmony. And if, if, if you're a product specialist, you know, you do that through developing products that make their, their lives easier. And I think that's, that's a really, really, you know, not only can be a, a lucrative career, but also um, a noble cause, you know, these, I don't think musicians, I'm a drummer, so we tend to be like gearheads. And, and so I, I've really learned <laughs> in the last five years that not, all musicians are insane about gear like drummers are. For some reason, we just like eat that up and the community just loves to talk about gear. Um, but I don't know that that's the case across the board. Um, I, I, at least it, in my experience, it hasn't been actually that, um, you know, woodwind players or guitarists or, and it's not to say that there aren't people that are super gearheads, but um, just the, I think the majority of people that I've interacted with are kind of like, oh yeah, I I play these strings or I play this guitar or I I do this, but you know, I'll sound good on anything or whatever. Um, so it's it's the people like you and and Liz behind the scenes that are thinking about their needs and trying to address them. I think that it's that's a not only it you know it's a noble cause. Richard, where do you where do you put yourself in terms of like how gear headed you are? writ large are you someone that gives um, a lot of a shit or do you yeah kind of yeah definitely that was it it varies between between instruments the level of how much of a gearhead i am but i was always interested in in different gear and as much as anything it was never about uh trying to find a specific well it is for some so for example with with acoustic guitar I have a very specific sound in my head of what an acoustic guitar should sound like. Um, I have a sound in my head with saxophone, how I would want saxophone to sound. So I can kind of play about with, with gear to find that sound. Uh, I don't really know where that comes from, to be honest. Probably just listening to music and things that I like at various points. I just have a sound that I think, right, that's what I want. And then with something like... Uh, even clarinet, I, I never really had a, a specific sound in my head that this is what I need to, to, to sound like. So from on both of those sides, you can play around with gear to either just explore the sound or you play around with gear to get to a very specific sound, uh, which I've enjoyed from, from both sides. And I've kind of, you know, done on, on both sides of that. I've played around with different gear on, on guitar and saxophone as well, but always then reverted back to the thing that uh, that I wanted to sound. Drums is is one that's a little bit of both as well. Like without wanting to get too nerdy, but there's like very specific kick sound that I that I want in terms of like the attack and the decay and and. and but on the toms, I'm a little bit more. I like to explore the sound a little bit more. Um, and then I'm like on hi hats. There's, there's very I like quite a, a sort of a really thick, sort of chunky sound um, on hats, 
And again, that'll just come from something that I've enjoyed at some point in my life. I don't really have a, a point of reference necessarily for all of this, but there are certain things that I definitely like and aim for and play around with gear and always did. And it's interesting because at the start, you don't really understand a lot of the, the gear. You, you're trying to catch up with yourself in a way uh, to get to where you want to to where you want to be or how you want to sound or something that makes it easier to play a certain way. So you're definitely trying to learn about this gear and that's what that's what I was like when I was, you know, late teens into my early twenties. I was just wanting to know about the stuff and learn what did what did what. And working in the studio was a big thing for that as well. Because people were coming in with different gear and they all wanted to tell you about it as well, which was which is great for me because I wanted to hear about it. Um, and there was a great synth room. There's a great synth room in the studio as well, which is kind of the epitome of just messing about with sound and, and trying to find something that uh, that works as well. Yeah, you, you got my inner gear nerd freaking out right now, but I won't. I won't. I won't like. <laughs> I uh, for the sake of uh, both our listeners and our time, <laughs> I will. I will refrain. But maybe, maybe there's a a super super gear nerd conversation in our future. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are hearkening back to that that moment in your your late teens when you were trying to get all that information and if you were to like give some advice to other people at that stage in exploring music careers and what options are available, what's what kind of advice would you maybe direct to yourself or to others in that position? Um, the number one bit of advice I would give to any musician of, of, of any time, certainly around that age, is just collaborate as much as possible because not only will it be hugely enjoyable, but it, it just gives you a different perspective on things and you realize that it's almost impossible to you might have a vision of what you want to do or, a, a, like I say, a sound in, in your head that you want or a specific place that, where you want to get to, but without the perspective of other musicians around you, it's, it's quite difficult to even know if you get there. Um, and it's like I say, it's just a really enjoyable, it's the most enjoyable part of music. And it's when I talk about music, I don't necessarily talk about dots on a page. I talk about times in a van on tour or in a practice room or you know times just after you've come off stage after performance those are the those are the stories that you that you talk about with with music so it's that community sense which is which brings me a lot of joy as much as the performance side so it was it was something that i, I didn't do at first actually i was maybe quite selfish with it and then when i started to i mean drumming was the thing really that that got me more into that because it's very difficult to fully explore it without collaborating with with other musicians. So at that stage, I realised how much I could get out of out of music from that standpoint. So just do as, as many different things with as many different people as possible, and you'll land somewhere that you want to. That is great, great advice to end that segment on. All right, kids. I think you know what time it is. iPhone roulette. Tremendous. 
Okay, so Richard, do yeah. you have some music on your phone? Um, no, but that's downloaded necessarily. But I can open have... Spotify and press shuffle. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Okay, so the name of the game, iPhone Roulette, means that we want you to pull up all of the songs that you have access to in some form and randomly shuffle through them and then tell us what the first five are, okay. who they are, what the song is, and why that song is in your life. Okay. And if you want to go first, you can go first. You can also pass and one of us can go first too. Whatever you want. I, I, I'm happy to go first. Okay. So let me just gonna. Do you want this to play, or do you just want it to? Do you want me to just, just talk about it? Just talk it out. Okay. So shuffle. Oh, so the first one is Superfly by Curtis Mayfield. Oh. Which oh, awesome. I didn't expect to come up there. So <laughs> actually, that's interesting because. Um. Not just this song, but that, the Curtis Mayfield and that sort of genre of music, uh, I hold very dear to my heart because I always feel like it was music that I discovered myself in, in the sense that my, my dad listened to a lot of classical music and he listened to things like the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Um, my mum listened to, uh, things like a, a band called Pet Shop Boys and, um, Excuse me, like what? Pop stuff. Pet Shop Boys. You know Pet Shop Boys? Oh no! Oh, like Pet Shop Boys. I thought you said. Boys. I thought you said Ketchup Boys. Oh right, no. <laughs> Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> Great. Uh, and uh, kind of pop stuff. And I remember I must have been maybe fourteen, fifteen, and I think it was a. Uh, it was maybe like a LimeWire kind of vibe going on, and just downloading random music, and. And I discovered some Curtis Mayfield music and just fell in love with it and then went on to explore other soul music and then other funk music. And certainly at the time, sort of in the early days of learning saxophone as well, it just kind of came together all at once. So, yeah, I, I go back and listen to that kind of music quite a lot. Quite nostalgic for me in a way. <laughs> That's a great start. Okay, next one. Next one is Loose Change by Royal Blood. Oh, yes. Excellent. So, Royal Blood, I saw them live. This is, I can't remember what year it was. It's gone back a while. And they supported Arctic Monkeys. The lineup was Arctic Monkeys, Tame Impala, Miles Kane, and Royal Blood. And they were kind of unknown at the time. And even then, the sound was just ridiculous. And you're looking at two guys on stage. Um, and then, I, I, although I was aware of them after that, I didn't really look into them until they just suddenly grew up. And yeah, that's actually my favorite favorite song of theirs. The riff and it's great. Next, next is uh, "Need You Tonight" by NXS. <laughs> oh great wow what a what a journey you've been on in just three songs oh wow <laughs> the next person needs you tonight um okay this is wow this is probably one of two 
karaoke songs that I would that I would do if I was doing karaoke. This is um, <laughs> this is like the four wine karaoke song. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, four wines deep. Yeah. Four wines deep karaoke song. Two wines deep. My first round. Um, I've done maybe Tears for Fears, and then Four Wines Deep. I've done In Excess, but um, no specific emotional attachment to that. It's just a really great tune. <laughs> Love it. Number four. Uh, number four is a, a song called Dream in Color by a band called Vanderbilt, who are from the Northeast, actually. Uh, I've done a bit of work with one of the guys in that band. In fact, two of them used to be in a different band called Lilliput, who who were fantastic. They were really great sort of local heroes. Um, and then this is really sort of dancey, funky, um, kind of pop stuff, but they're all really great musicians. And some of it's quite technical as well. And the chords are amazing. Anyone who's into into various chord patterns should should have a listen. Uh, and they, yeah, they're doing really well. The awesome. Vanderbilt. For anyone who wants to to listen to some kind of Friday night, Saturday night music. Convenient that it's Friday night. Exactly. <laughs> and the last one is ah, oh, this is a good one. Oh well. So this uh, it's a song called Ayla by a band called the Maccabees, who are a British band who aren't together anymore. I actually went to their last ever gig uh, maybe three years ago. They played at Alexander Palace in London, which holds about 10,000 people. And I'd only seen them in um, smaller venues, maybe like 2,000 people, maybe 3,000 tops. So to see them fill out somewhere like that for a couple of nights as well was amazing and I've, a lot of their songs through various parts of my of my life sort of touched on on little things and, and, and mean a lot to me um this is off a, a great album called given to the wild and it's one of the few albums that i can just put on and listen to start to finish without even considering skipping a song it flows really really well oh that's great uh, Orlando Weeks, who's the lead singer, has a, a wonderful voice, and I cried my eyes out at the last at the last gig. It's amazing. Wow, what a list! That was a good. That was a good way to finish that one. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. That was a really good round. Liz, what's on your? Am I up? Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay, okay. Let's start this up. Oh, dang. Uh, okay, we're going to start this off in a powerful place with Daredevil by Fiona Apple. Ooh. And this Dig is that right album in. that came out a while ago. Uh, yeah, digging right right the hell in. Um, this is that album that has like a world's longest album title, which I can see here. I'm going to read it out. The idler wheel is wiser than the driver of the screw, and whipping cords will serve you more than ropes will ever do. And I remember when this came out, like seeing the various media approaches to trying to list out the whole fucking thing. And like some people did, some didn't, but you could tell everyone was exhausted by the whole thing, which is a really Fiona Apple move. So her brand is strong. But Absolutely. If, if you don't know this album in particular, I would say please do. It's 
very powerful and very, very intricate and wonderful and very moody and very emotive. And I definitely like found it right at the exact right moment for me. So hope it works out for you guys. Okay, next. Um, oh, <laughs> REM. The Sidewinder sleeps tonight. Yes, REM. That's a nice. I don't throwback. think about REM enough. No. Yeah, man. I've been. I think of the song, not this one in particular, but I think of the song "Day Sleeper" all the time these days because it's about like someone working a night shift and their sleep today and all of the fucked up things that come from it. I unrelated, but that song has been in my head. REM so is, is also now. like the the song of the moment with it's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> Hopefully not, but Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, man. Side note, they played that song at the end of like the, the summer camp that I would go to with the dances they had. They played that as the last song every year. That is, Which is morbid. I'm realizing the most nineties shit I've ever heard of. <laughs> It's fine. It has nothing to do with how I've turned out now, I'm sure. All right. <laughs> next up. Oh, Kyle, we got what we asked for. We've got Brahms. We've got Brahms. We have. We've got Brahms. We've been waiting like five episodes to get a Brahms. Um, this is actually, this is my favorite string quartet of all time. This is Brahms' uh, first string quartet in C minor. Anything Brahms says in C minor is fucking great. Um, but this is the last movement of that quartet. And it is beautifully done in this recording by the Emerson Quartet, but it's such a good piece of music. And it's one that I think plays with um, with Emiola and with Brahms' weird sense of timing and where the beat falls. And it, it, he does some really good shit in this particular one. So I, I'm glad that this, this came out. This is a good representation let's see number four oh hark from uh from thomas's beat tape thomas we talked about thomas on this pod but i am always happy to hear what he is doing i am so excited for um for his forthcoming album with yusuf deus and i can't wait for it to get here so i'll just say that much and oh great place to end um i know what i do from zach garrett zach garrett is a darling i actually know about him because of richard and then told about it and you were like duh so this is a good place for the three of us here it makes a lot of sense i really love this whole album it's so wonderful jack garrett's story as well is sort of coming into his latest album is a really a uh, good thing to read for any musician who's having that crisis of confidence, which all of us have at some point. Yeah. He pretty much bin, binned every bit of material he was writing um, and eventually came back around to it. And the stuff he's doing at the minute is, is amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, he just did that. I don't, I haven't seen it actually out on streaming services yet, but the, the Yusef Dias thing, um, collaboration. I'm, I'm totally sold. I saw they put out a, a music video a couple weeks ago now that was just like, I mean, mind-blowing. 
Yeah. All right. All right. I will end us off here. Um, So I was torn (laughs) between playing by the rules and just telling you the last five (laughs) songs that I've listened to um, because I've been listening to a lot of music on this quarantine break, whatever you want to call it, furlough. (laughs) And um, I stumbled on a Yacht Rock playlist. (laughs) So I've been listening to Yacht Rock, which is hilarious, but also what I grew up on because my my parents love that shit. Um, <laughs> but but I don't know that it will resonate as well. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually play by the rules and and just do my shuffle. But just so you know, Yacht Rock rules. All right. Uh, first song, "I Don't Love You Anymore" by Tyler the Creator off of his uh, most recent record, Igor. Um. Tyler is in my life because I, I, when Odd Future started doing their stuff back in like 13, 14, um, I was immediately hooked by his, his voice. It's like super, super deep and boomy. Um, so it kind of, kind of got me hooked. And then I saw him at Afropunk in 2018 and his stage presence and his like just whole thing, uh, that was mostly performing uh, off the Flower Boy album. But just, I mean, I didn't, those music festivals are always great because, you you know, you pop around. You don't always watch an artist's full set, whatever, because um, other things are happening that you want to catch. And I didn't, I didn't move from Tyler's set. So it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, if you haven't listened to Igor, the, the drum samples throughout are pretty amazing. Uh, next is what a day by Kiefer, which is funny because I think Kiefer actually came up yesterday and I actually haven't listened to Kiefer in, I don't remember the last time I listened to Kiefer. So maybe my iPhone is telling me something. I don't have no idea why Kiefer is in my life. So (laughs) stumbled upon (laughs) at some point. Oh, uh, a great tune, um, Fine China by Chris Brown. And, <laughs> you know, we've talked about Chris Brown on this <laughs> podcast before. Uh, I swear that's not, that's all, all that's on my phone, but, you know, th- this particular song is, is amazing. Um, and I just remember it because I actually got a new car, not a new car, but a new car to me um, when this song came out. And, uh, it came on the radio and I had like a, I had a Bose stereo system and I thought I was really cool cause I was, you know, young and, and just wanted to jam music. And so I had a nice stereo system in the car and I remember the like first bass drop in this tune, just like, com- like it almost made me pull over. <laughs> it was so intense. <laughs> uh, so then I like reround, rewound and listen to it like four times, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was good. It's not uh, your favorite song unless you've listened to it 20 times in a row. So yeah, worry. right. Um, this, this album is insane. Um, K Tronada is 99.9%. And, uh, oh, yeah. the track that came up was track Uno, which is, you know, the first track, but that whole record <laughs> is, is 
I mean, blew my mind. The the drummer, all the drums are were recorded live. There are no samples, um, and they were all recorded by Kareem Riggins. And that the whole record is just an ode to drumming, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, every song is great. I think it kind of lives in that like I can listen to the whole record all the way down without stopping or skipping any songs. Uh, vein that we were talking about a few minutes ago with you, Richard. Um, I yeah, this this record's amazing. Probably mostly because I'm a drummer. Oh, and then, ah, so fitting. Apparently, this is the day of stuff we've already talked about, but uh, (laughs) the song that just came up was uh, Rabbit Ho by Thundercat, who dropped his new Ah. album today. (laughs) It is what it is. Ah. Well, this is the Thundercat podcast, so This is the Thundercat podcast. (laughs) Of course. Dang. Okay, that now I have plans list. tonight. Yeah. That was a really good list. Yeah. I uh, I started listening to the record, but then realized that I wasn't actually listening and I I think I think it's gonna be a really good one. So I, I stopped and I will I will restart uh, from the beginning. Gorgeous. Well Gorgeous. friends, this has been a blast. Yeah, it has. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Richard, man, thank you for joining us us and for imparting some wisdom on our uh, small but potent audience. They will certainly get something valuable out of out of your experiences. And and I know I mean, you know, we've worked together for a short time, but I'm it, it was just cool to even hear you just talk about where you came from and all the instruments that you play and kind of how that turned you into the person you are today. So I'm I'm really really thankful that you were able to to join us today. It's been it's been a great one. My pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And so for everyone out there, this is Kyle and Liz and Richard signing off. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free, as we say every goddamn time, to like and subscribe. Um, but we hope that you're staying safe out there and washing your hands and staying inside. And you know, making some some good music and being creative in the meantime. So that's us signing off. Ciao, lovers. <laughs> <laughs>